She also said, an unexamined life is not worth living. And if everything you accept and do is rote or built on preconceptions society has made you think are your own, then do you really have free will? The follow-up to the vanilla episode. Yeah, (laughs) vanillas talk back. (laughs) Everybody, welcome to another episode of Girls Gone Deep. We are going deep in more ways than one. Sex, non-monogamy, all the weird shit that happens in our brains and the personal growth. And today we're doing a follow-up to our original episode, which was about vanillas and what lifestyle people thought about the word vanilla. Was it offensive? Um... How do we use it in the lifestyle? And so now what we did was we questioned and asked our vanilla friends what they thought the word meant and their response. And then they also asked us a bunch of questions back that they were curious to learn about us. So um, if you... Good. Sorry. Additionally, we asked them a couple of other questions that we'll get into. And it was just really nice to kind of pick the brains of our traditional friends who are so open to supporting us and and talking to us about this stuff. So uh, maybe it is a little bit of like a bubble where it's that confirmation bias that we've talked about before. But um, yeah, I think it's, they ask some really great questions that, you know, people who haven't gone through it firsthand, I think it gives a lot of insight into more challenging things that go on in the lifestyle. Yeah. So if you're new to the lifestyle or not familiar with it, this is not like a, what is ENM and how do you do it kind of a thing. This is more about um, hearing what questions people have. So if you, if you're curious about learning, go to episodes one and two for that information. Like what is ENM, the, the more basic stuff. This is like, once you know all of that, what's the next kind of layer or level that you have to deal with? Yeah. Yeah. So let's introduce I am L. And I'm V. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so excited to dive in. Yeah. This is uh, this has been such a long time coming because actually we did have a couple of people um who wrote in or commented after the vanilla episode, like, hey, why didn't vanilla people get to share their side? So Let's say, let's start with that question. What does the word vanilla mean to you? And do you find it offensive? What do you say? Well, so the, are we were talking from responses from the vanillas yes. that we asked, and majority said no, they do not find it offensive. The only time that they found it offensive was they brought up in quotations I saw frequently as vanilla sex, mm-hmm. where it was kind of insinuated that your sex is boring. You only do missionary or maybe the same parts. And so really where that or led me to believe was like, it's more about how you're using the word and the context of how you're using it makes all of the difference. So, and I agree with that. Like I can understand that sometimes the word vanilla can be mistaken for boring, but um, when I use it personally, I just mean as non-monogamous couples. That's what I mean when I say vanilla. Yeah. And like, what was your take on their responses? Exactly. A lot of them said, 
you know, I don't find the word itself offensive. For me, words are just that, words. It's how they're wielded that can make them offensive. And someone said, like, you know, if you say fuck, you could say want to fuck tonight, and that's a great use of the word fuck. But then you could say fuck you, and that's a negative use of the word fuck, right? So yeah, it's mm-hmm. about tone and context. And so I'm glad that at least the small pool that we polled, they understand that we are not using it in a negative context. Um, yeah, and it was interesting. A lot of them even came out to the point to say that you know, there are a lot of monogamous people who have amazing sex and great, spontaneous, fun, kinky sex. And so that shouldn't be used to describe us. So, and I agree with that. Everybody can have a kinky relationship. So Mm -hmm. um, we hear you, monogamous friends. You could be kinky and fun too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so we also asked them, what do you think of when you think lifestyle or open relationship? Yep. So great question. And I would say all were unanimous in this kind of discussion was an open relationship. You can have multiple partners. Uh, Vanilla is your monogamous and it's one partner at a time. And that was kind of like the general consensus amongst everybody. So that was, that was easy. A lot of people had said like, you know, my idea of an open relationship is a little skewed because I am friends with people Mm. who are in the open relationship. So how I view it may be different than somebody else, but I I think in general, everybody had the same idea, multiple partners versus one. And just that there's like different layers of an open relationship and it's whatever works for those people, you know, whatever makes them happy. um, And that just some of them are really mind boggled by the idea of it Mm -hmm. and a lot of jealousy questions, things came up. Um, So we'll dive into a little bit more of that stuff later. One other thing that someone said was, it's funny because one would perhaps not think of self-control when they think of open relationships. But in my head, that's what is needed to make it work in the context of your primary and play partner's boundaries. Yeah, which is so true. It is not a free-for-all, which is what a lot of people think. Like It does take a lot of self-control and patience and communication before you can even dive into anything sexual. Yeah, because if someone someone were to ask me this question, it's like, what words do you think of or what concepts do you think of when you think of open relationships or polyamory? And I I think communication, boundaries, yeah, uh, self-learning and growth, <laughs> reflection. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. A, a lot of self-control. Yeah. A lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but all worth it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And, but doesn't feel like work though when we're going through it. Like I don't ever sit back and be like, oh, now we got to talk about this or why was I triggered here? It's not like, I'm like, wow, that I'm more curious. I think when I'm triggered or, you know. I'll say on the whole, that's how I feel. But I will say there are some (laughs) times when I'm like, oh my God, we have to talk through this again. Like, why can't we, why can't it just be easy? Uh, (laughs) Like, I'm trying to think when sometimes I just want to like, you know, go the fuck to sleep and Jay will be like, no, babe, we, we got to talk this through or something like that. Yeah. Cause he's learned from me because I'm the one who nailed that into his head or like yeah. that, right. Hammered uh-huh. it in. Like we yeah. have to fucking talk it out. And so now he's God bless him. He's just like mm. so communicative with me, even when I don't want to be. <laughs> yeah. I got that. So now do you think he's being communicative I can't say, I can't Come on, get right <laughs> to you 
with you because he thinks that you want it or because he needs it? I guess that's that we can't really make the answer the question for him, but that's something I want you to ask him. Yeah. Interesting. Probably a little bit of both, but yeah. I think he he needs it too because he there have been situations where like let's say, you know, in Hito when maybe I'm not um prioritizing us as much as I should like, and then substances are involved. That's when I want to go to sleep and not talk shit out. Mm. And he'll be like, no, babe, like this is fucking important. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. need to prioritize us. And, um, and it's when it's funny, your trigger in Hedo where you hadn't been with M for a a couple of days, like you just hadn't physically connected with him or even emotionally because you had a lot of busy work days leading up to the vacation. And then you're just with so many other people when you're on the vacation. We have similar situations like that because we don't live together. So mm. even right now, we're mm. gearing up to go to Indianapolis to see a bunch of our friends. And we know it's going to be just full on. And I already texted him and I was like, Hey babe, let's, when I get there, cause I'm arriving after him, when I get mm-hmm. there, let's plan to just take a little bit of time to reconnect because we haven't seen each other all week. Cause we've both had busy work weeks. And, you know, if we want to, to capitalize on time, we can have, you know, another couple join us or something like that, but have it be more intimate before we just focus on the whole group and orgies and stuff like that, because we've kind of learned from our mistakes. So I guess we're kind of going off subject, but yeah, it's a lot of work and learning from (laughs) great tip. But this is the whole point of this podcast is to share these little shortcuts and tips and tricks that we've learned along the way with it, but for everybody else to make it shortcuts for them. Yeah. Yeah. So great tidbit. Love that you guys do that. So important. Yeah. And I think our friends to bring it back, you know, they have observed this in us and observed the communication that it takes to make this relationship work. And so actually, this is a great segue into another question that we asked our friends. And that's, if you have friends in the lifestyle, what changes have you observed in them and their relationships since they opened up? So mm-hmm. it, it was really sweet. A lot of the people mentioned just how uh, we've really grown into ourselves. Did you get that as well? Yeah. A lot of like self-confidence, like seeing happiness come out. Um, one said joy, confidence, and general belongingness emerge in my friend, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Joy. Um, yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and, and I think it's also interesting to hear what their initial thoughts were. So this is one mm-hmm. of my beautiful friends. Um, in the early days of her exploring, I felt concerned due to her. This was right when I got divorced. Mm. And then she was also wondering if I was people pleasing. I had a couple of friends who were wondering, you know, like, oh, she found this guy, Jay, and he's forcing her to open up or something like that. Mm. And they kind of like wanted to put him on the hot seat and ask him, like, what are your intentions with our friends? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. But I mean, it, it wasn't him who got me into this. If anything, I was the one who got him into yeah. it more. But it's just really sweet that they've noticed a difference mm-hmm. in and me and my confidence. Like the evolution of your relationship too, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. And, and then 
his friends even answered and they said, you know, how a lot of friends were kind of judging. Not judging is the wrong word. They didn't say that, but just kind of seeing our relationship from the outside, like, oh, he now has his his cake and he can eat it too. Uh, but then kind of taking a step back, observing us together and seeing that maybe just the relationships that he was trying to have before me were not right for him. And he was never mm-hmm. meant for monogamy. And that's really lovely to see all these British people kind of <laughs> like softening their their resolve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But overall, the responses were, um, they made me smile, just that they were observing and seeing all of that too. Like I had a friend respond and say that they've noticed confidence, self-awareness, free-spirited, um, a little more selective with how they spend their time because they want more valuable relationships. Mm. Maybe priorities have changed over the years, but um, finding a tight-knit community in the lifestyle is with similar interests and perceptions is what she understood about it. So it was really cool. So overall, positive feedback. Well, to that point, prioritizing your time and your relationships more, I think that's something really important to note that is a huge part of making these types of relationships work because as anyone knows in, you know, your twenties, thirties, as you're growing and expanding your family, you know, we have such finite amount of time. Everybody's fucking busy these days. So then when you're trying to have multiple intimate relationships on top of your friendship groups, your families, maybe you have kids, you know, your relationship with yourself, it's just, it's exhausting and it's crazy. So I'll say another thing that is huge in the polyamorous community is Google calendars. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and that's kind of like, it's been hard to juggle it all, honestly, to, to maintain. And so I feel like that's probably why I have disconnected with some of my vanilla friends. It's just, we've, we have different interests right now, different priorities, but it's not that I don't want to be connected with them. I absolutely do. So, um, but you're absolutely right on the juggling of time. It's challenging for yeah. sure. It just makes you really have to prioritize who you want to and, and be kind of cutthroat with your calendar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it makes me appreciate the friendships that don't like wag their finger at me. Mm. Like, why haven't you called me in this amount of time? And I'm like, no, like you don't understand. Yeah. Like sometimes I just, there's things going on. It's not that I'm not thinking about you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You know? So what questions do you have for people? This is what I'm so excited about. What questions do you have for people in the lifestyle? Is there anything you find difficult to wrap your head around? Um, so I guess lots of great questions here. So many good questions. And the first one I think we just kind of touched on is how does it work? And that is with a lot of prioritizing, a lot of calendar usage and Mm -hmm. A lot of communication, mm-hmm. a lot of trial and error, actually mm. experiencing things and doing it and learning from experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, 
podcasts. <laughs> yeah, like doing research if you are struggling with something, listening to podcasts. Like Yeah, Reddit, Quora, all those other things. Yeah. I think I've mentioned before, like I struggled with a lot of jealousy in the beginning of my relationship. And so I would just search that in Spotify and look at any or listen to any episode that came up on jealousy. Um, and mm. then when I was like really into anal, I listened to so much sex with Emily. And like, I think I actually <laughs> sent you the anal episode. She had like a, an actual gastroenterologist on and it was yep. amazing. Um, I yep. recommend anybody check that one out. Let's dive into the next one. So how do you watch your partner with somebody else? And she brought this up because jealousy is an issue. So how do you watch your partner with somebody else? How does it make you feel? Have you, have you ever been upset or triggered or jealous? Uh, no, I don't think in person because we've done the work. I lied. I'm thinking back to the very <laughs> beginning. Um, this is not with Jay. This is with um, another partner who I felt less safe with. So juxtaposing the two. Um, in that experience with, we're going to call him Big D. Um, he was my quarantine partner. We had a foursome and I was not really into the husband and he was into the wife. And I felt like I had to do a lot of mental and emotional prep before going mm. into it. And he really didn't, it turns out, because <laughs> I was just, you know, he was further along on his journey, I think. And so I felt very often during that foursome, like I was uh, Woody and she was Buzz Lightyear. And that could have just <laughs> been my own perspective and, and um, perception of it. Maybe he mm -hmm. didn't even feel that way, but that's how it came off to me. And so it was really, it was really tough. Um, yeah. And so, I've been in some situations too, where you feel like you're not that you're taking one for the team, but you're in it, um, kind of guided into a situation that maybe you wouldn't have been otherwise mm -hmm. if you had more of an opportunity to speak up or say no. Mm. And right? so that's a, a good point of like doing things for your partner rather than for yourself because you want to do it too. So mm. I think with this is how do you watch your partner with someone else? I would say don't unless you're a 100% fuck yes. <laughs> uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? That's a hot take. Yeah. So how do you, for me, it's very few and far between that I've been jealous. I, like we saw, talked about that word compersion, right? You see joy when your partner's having joy or you receive happiness. And so for me, I look at it as a proud moment. Like I am excited he's having sex with somebody else. I know how I feel when we have sex and how great it is. And I'm excited to see him. I'm like, oh, I know that move or I know that position or, you know, I can hear that sound. I know what that feels like. So for me, it's more about looking at it from the positive side of things always is how I try to do it. But how were you able to get to that point? Mm. 
It's a great question. I was able to get to that point with Jay because I feel solid in our relationship. And I am not afraid that I will lose him if I see him with another woman. Mm, So I do feel that compersion. And I'm like, yeah, babe, get it. Exactly what you just described. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that move. Get it, babe. But that's it. I agree with you. It's a foundational relate. Your foundational relationship is solid and strong, and there's trust and confidence. And if you ever feel triggered, you talk about it the next day, and then you learn. And it's more about the time and experience that you have together with it, and the communication through it all as as you go. So I think that there's always going to be some like uneasiness in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I think I remember those. It's been so long. I'm trying to think back, but. Yeah, there's sometimes you're like, ooh, like, what's he doing with that other person? Is he like that more than he likes doing it with me? You know, we start comparing ourselves. And now I've shifted gears to being more looking at the positive of it all. And yeah, and just talk through it when stuff comes up. And another thing that this person said when they asked, how do you watch your partner with someone else is, I could see myself with someone else, but I wouldn't want to see them with someone else. And I've actually (laughs) heard that from a number of people in conversations, they're like, yeah, I could fuck someone else, but he can't or something like that. And I don't (laughs) want to say it's only women, but it has for the most part been women who have had that refrain. And so I just want to say there is something um, to be said for hot wifing, which is when a guy likes to see his wife be fucked by another man. Um, and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily need to be cuckolding. Cuckold- cuckolding is like when it's kind of like degrading or like an embarrassment or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So hot wife, he, she could even be going off and going on a date and fucking somebody else and then coming home and telling him about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what you could try exploring if your partner is comfortable with you going off with someone. Cool. Explore that and then see how that makes you feel. And then there's also the same thing as hot hot husband where the guy can go off, but the girl doesn't. Because sometimes some partners just are not interested in fucking other people, but they're not really intimidated by their partner fucking someone else. It's all about finding out what makes it work for you guys. And over time, that could change and evolve as long as you're open to that changing. Yes. I think that's the number one thing. It changes and evolves. I don't know anyone who has not, who was in the same place with their kind of boundaries now as they were when they started out. I don't know anybody mm-hmm. in the, the lifestyle that I've yeah. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Yep, it always changes. So a follow-up question to that is how can you be friends with someone fucking your husband? <laughs> Do you want to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, so I, I th- when I was thinking about this, I realized that a lot of these situations, like, yes, we meet each other. There is some conversation. There's maybe a date or two or a day or two together, say, if we're on vacation and I'm meeting a new couple where you meet somebody, but I would say that you're more acquaintances during that time. And then you end up fucking first. So I feel like the people that we are together with, I fucked them first before we were really, truly friends. Does that make sense? You fucked the, so in our hetero partnerships, let's say, or, or bi partnerships. So you fucked the women that M has also fucked. 
Yeah. So say we had like a foursome with a couple. Mm -hmm. Maybe we went on a date with them or a second date with them, or maybe we met them on vacation on day one and still hung out with them on day two. I would say at that point, the relationship is still so new that they're acquaintances. Are they really your friends at that point? Did you exchange phone numbers? A lot of those people we just ended up connecting with, going with the organic flow of the sexy vibes and ended up having sex with them. And then you just keep having sex with them. And then as you continue your dates and hanging out, whether that occurs, you know, weeks later, months later, then they become your friends. Then the test of time stands there where they're still your friends. Mm. So I feel like our relationship with our friends that we're fucking, we were fuck buddies first Mm. before we were true friends. So it makes it easy because that's how our relationship started. So If anything, I feel like it could do the reverse sometimes. Like when you get to know your friends too much, you lose some of the sexiness. Mm. That ever happened to you? Definitely. Nothing's coming to mind specifically right now, but... So does that make sense? Like your fuck buddies first and then the friendship kind of develops over time. Yeah. Because I do think it would be interesting if like if Jay were to have sex with someone that I'm really good friends with and we weren't like sex was not in the picture and then it's like, Oh, let's introduce sex. Like that would be a different thing. So I guess the answer to this question is like, how can I be friends with someone who's fucking my husband? Like that's what the relationship is. We have compersion. I think that I feel safe with both people. So I think I've mentioned in this podcast before that I prefer when he fucks people that I know rather than people that I don't know because they know me and they can put a face to my name and I'm not just this unknown entity that they'll be like, oh, I'm going to steal Jay away from this random person who is V, you know, Mm -hmm. but they know who I am and what I'm about. Mm -hmm. And so... I would say, how can you not be friends with someone who's fucking your husband (laughs) or partner as the case may be? (laughs) Something else I'm thinking about is we view sex, or I'm going to speak for me. I view sex a little differently where I don't want to call it a hobby, but it's (laughs) definitely a little bit more playful. It's, It's not as serious or such a emotional, vulnerable situation every time where sometimes in these monogamous relationships, because you're only sharing that with one person, it's like super special. You don't do it with anybody else. So it feels more sacred and it's harder to think about somebody else getting in on that. Where for me, I don't even think twice about it because I have a different experience with it. That helps a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and I think that people... I don't want to speak for everybody, but a lot of people who have primary partnerships um, or anchor partnerships, whatever you want to call it, marriage In the poly, in like lifestyle is what you're saying. Correct. monogamous Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that they have a very similar um, outlook as you, you know, the additional people that we play with, it is less strings attached. You know, you have Mm -hmm. your primary partner for those emotional needs and the more solid like relationship type relationship. And the others are fun. And so you can just appreciate these people for who they are and be friends with them and experience that compersion. I liken it back to dating. Like, what was it like when you were dating? Like, they were fucking other people while you were fucking them, I bet. Like, you don't get upset about those things. It's kind of what we're doing, too. We're dating, but not with the intention of being super emotional 
Totally. So this is a good segue into the question, um, emotional intimacy inside versus outside the primary partnership. Sorry, Mm. Al, I'm skipping ahead out of order. (laughs) Can you find it? You're messing me up here. (laughs) So emotional intimacy outside of your primary relationship. So we have very specific dynamics in our relationships where, because people do polyamory and open relationships very differently, we do practice hierarchical polyamory where our main partner, your husband, my primary partner, is our primary partner. And anybody else is secondary. Doesn't mean we don't respect them, respect their feelings, love them. But our priority is our primary relationship. Do you agree? Yes. I agree with that. Yes. So how do you handle emotional intimacy inside versus outside? I feel like when I go into to meeting another couple or or dating, or I don't want to call it dating, but just having sex with another couple, that relationship, I feel like I almost have some kind of wall up in myself so that I don't cross those boundaries. Like what makes somebody else's relationship so special and beautiful, like I can't replicate with that with that person, right? Um, and I don't know. I think that there's just a mutual respect that I'm not trying to be a homewrecker. I don't want to homewreck my relationship. I don't want to homewreck somebody else's. So I keep almost some sort of a comfortable distance, yet still finding that emotional intimacy that is satisfying for the both of us. And it could just be sexual intimacy. There's a friendship, deep friendship connection, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily romantic. I'm not buying people chocolates and flowers and I'm not receiving those kinds of things from another person's primary partner. That's a very I good I'd, point. I'd, I'd be, I, would, I don't know if I would be able to accept that kind of stuff either. Like I'd be like, ah, no, thank you. <laughs> don't do this. Well, so I do think number one, it is easier to do this and separate the emotional intimacy when both partners are involved with partners who are also in primary relationships. Yes. So for example, in the Joy family, it feels extremely safe to me because we all have our own primary relationships. So when we're all going off and fucking who we want to fuck on these weekends, you know, we're not trying to steal each other's husbands, you know? And what mommy said in um, her episode, I loved this. She was like, you know, M and L have their own special magic and T money and mommy have their own special magic. Like, like you just said, like you can't replicate that. We respect that. And that's that's the highest, most important thing. And so I love these people deeply, um, but it's almost like a friendship love who I also fuck. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Friends with benefits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a name for that. <laughs> Oh my God. I thought I just came up with this whole new concept. I got this, guys. Oh, wait, friends with benefits. (laughs) So I think, yeah, you're that's there's the difference. I don't know. There's just a boundary up that's just understood without being said. I I and I think that's interesting because 
it almost sounds like we're being hypocritical because we're like, oh, we have less boundaries than monogamous people. And like, because in the last episode, we were talking about like having vanilla people at like a plate party. And it's like, oh, we, we're just so open. And it's like, no, we have boundaries. Like, we, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true. Right. The boundary yeah, is right. like, this is my priority. My primary relationship is my priority. And I'm not going to do something to jeopardize it. And so again, I just want to say this again. I have found in my relationship with Jay, I feel more comfortable when he's with people who also have primary partners who aren't seeking a primary. I trust him wholeheartedly, but I don't necessarily trust their (laughs) motives. just, Just the way that you bring this up where you trust people who also have primary partners, I have seen people with primary partners cross boundaries and swindle men. (laughs) into falling in love with them. And unfortunately that has happened more than once. So I can't say that it was like a one-off situation, but this um, can happen whether there is a primary partner or not is the point that I'm trying to Mm -hmm. make here. Just like, you know, we talked about in your monogamous relationships ending, you're not safe just because you're married Mm -hmm. and you're monogamous, just like you are in a poly relationship. You're not safe. Yeah. So just to point that out, but I understand what you're saying though. When there is a third, right, there's a little bit of a different motive. Yeah. I guess it's a false security, false sense of security Mm. that I might feel because Mm -hmm. it's true. But I guess there are more um, hoops to jump through for two people with primary partners. Yes. Agree. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. (laughs) Oh my God. Vanilla friends. I love these questions. They're making me think so hard. Yeah, definitely some head scratchers. Well, another important one. I'm always wondering about STDs that can be contracted Mm -hmm. even if you use a condom. So let me just say, number one, not everybody has the same kind of boundary that Jay and I have where we are fluid bonded and in the lifestyle that's where you only don't use a condom with one person. So we're Ooh, fluid never bonded. heard that. Oh term. really? Wow, learning something new. Yeah. Fluid bonded. Um okay. uh, there are people who don't have that boundary. And so they have multiple partners that they don't use condoms with. So mm-hmm. obviously we all know that, you know, that uh, increases the possibility of spreading STDs. But then there are, you know, HPV, herpes, syphilis, they can all just be skin to skin contact. So even with the use of a condom, you know, Jay and I are at risk of that. Um, yep. And we talked in one of the most safe recent, safe yes, uh, gonorrhea and chlamydia in, um, in the throat. Yeah, that's right. Ugh. So you're at risk whether you use a condom or not is the is the bottom line for that. So really the way that we protect ourselves is we get tested frequently. And we, you and I talked about this too, V, that we need to do it more often mm-hmm. and we need to request it of our friends more often because we do have this false sense of security to use that again where we just trust our friends to be being responsible and all of that. But I know I'm not fluid bonded with my partner. So there are times when I have had um, intercourse or sex without a condom and he has too. That's how we protect it. We 
get tested. And if it does come up, we disclose it immediately to everybody that we're with. We ask everybody else to get tested. So it's just a well understood, nobody even bats an eye at this request or anything like that. It's just, it's very respected. Yeah. I think it was Safe Slut who said, Trisha Wise, who said, if you're having sex, you know, you know the risks that come along with it. And that's what being a safe slut is all about. Like, basically, just Mm -hmm. do your part. (laughs) Do your part. And I will add to that that I know that some people have a different relationship with sex where they will fuck more random people more often. Um, I It takes a little bit more for me to do that. And so I think that fucking people that I trust and trust to take my interest to heart and like care about me, that's also helpful because they know that anyone that they fuck, they're also putting me at risk. So, you know, I think, for instance, in the Joy family, like we all really love and care about each other. So we would immediately tell each other if like something's up Mm -hmm. because we care about each other. Yeah. And not just ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Families. What do you tell them? How do you tell them? And then also children. How do children come into that? Mm. So obviously neither of us have personal experience with that, but we do have friends even in the Joy family who do have children. So Mm -hmm. first of all, Uh, oh, go for it. Well, their children, I mean, they. Tr- as far as I know, their children don't know. And the children that they have range from ages four up through ages 17, 18, actually 22 at this point. Mm. Um, some of our other friends, there's a wide variety of people who have children. But I think for the most part, most of them do not know that they're they're doing it. And I don't think they ever had the conversation about it either. I have some partners and have listened to some podcast episodes with um, people who are open with their children about it. And basically, they just raised their children like, hey, mommy and daddy have their friends that come over and they have their adult time and kind of as they grow older and learn what sex is it's just part of the conversation like you know the and they kind of come to the realization on their own like oh mommy and daddy having their friends over these friends that I've known for years and years their adult time is sex this thing that I'm learning about so I think Mm. with a lot of them, it was just having it be part of the kind of conversation from the very beginning. And then with polyamory, um, I have one partner who has a baby and his wife has a boyfriend of like four or five years or something. So he's very much part of their uh, Christmases and Thanksgivings and everything. And so he will be part of this child's upbringing and it's just going to be like his other daddy. Is there open affection from the boyfriend and the husband? Yes. Right in front of the child. I do believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And of course I'm in New York where these things are a little bit more out in the open. We can be a little bit more out in the open. Like I totally get that, you know, in the suburbs or, not in New York, that this stuff would not be as easy to put out in the open. But, you know, like with with school pickup, it's like, you know, who do you list as who can pick up the kids? It's like, the, you know, 
the third person is also on the list of like people that can pick up the kids. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and and to that point with like children, um, like we said, we have friends who have children and personally it, I don't say I've played with our local couple multiple, actually every time we've played was always at their house. Obviously I always had to go there because their three kids were home, but they would literally be down the hall sleeping in their bedrooms and we would just be in their master door locked, a little bit of music on. And that was always how we played till however many hours into the night. And it never affected us. I would just say that the one time I had slept over, I was a third for them. And I had said that my boundary is I really want to leave before your kids wake up. I just don't want them to see me in the morning and wonder like, why did this one person sleep over and where did she sleep? You know? Mm -hmm. So um, unfortunately that morning I was asleep and I got awoken by the wife in between my legs, like licking my pussy, which was the hottest way to wake up. Mm. (laughs) And they, we started to get a little frisky and then all of a sudden we heard a knock on the door Ah. and I was like, oh shit. So like I jumped out of bed, ran into their bathroom and closed the door. And then the wife went out, greeted the kid, brought him downstairs, like put the TV on to keep him busy for a little bit. I got dressed and then I literally snuck out the door. <laughs> well, that's that's good because I, I'm I my first thought was, you know, it's their kids, it's their responsibility or their prerogative however they like if the if the kid sees you or not. But right. also yeah, it is I think it's it's also a self boundary that it's like I don't I don't want to affect a kid this way so <laughs> right and that was where I was coming from like how do we explain it you know that was just my personal request so yeah but anyway well, all I could say is it hasn't hindered anything we just have to do things at their house and then you know we've gone on weekends away at the Joy family and so these people will just send their kids off with their aunts and their uncles or grandparents come into town and stay at the house to watch the kids for the weekend if we end up traveling. So it's doable, it's possible, and um, I'm going to do it eventually when I have kids. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not stopping. Yeah. So, I mean, just one more piggybacking question that someone asked was like, how do you balance time for the children and the primary partner, blah, 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 um, and yourself. So a lot of our friends, they do, they do have to get sitters. Um, when I've played with those, this couple that you're talking about, you know, they've come up to New York and driven home in the same night, or it's just basically they can do what they what we do, but there's just more time constraints around it and more logistics to figure out. And they probably have to say no to more. I have observed in some of my partners that divorced parents, this was even true of my mother when she was a single mother when I was younger, they have that kind of built-in time for dating when their kids are with their ex partner. Yeah, it's it's literally ha- like having a free babysitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is this is cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And then to that, the next question was like, how do you tell your families? How much do you tell your family? So for me, none of my family knows. I've had my sister directly point things out to me and straight up ask me and make like a rhetorical question. And I just blew it off. I was like tagged in some kind of like Facebook 
comment. And then my sister went down a rabbit hole of clicking on everybody who also commented back. And a lot of those people, it was their like lifestyle swinger profile. And she was like, who's this chick? She's like shaking her ass in her Facebook photo. Like, how do you know this person? And I'm like, oh shit. Like I met that girl at the party that I was at last week, but I told my sister, I didn't know who she was, (laughs) you know, because I didn't want to be associated with that. So I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know who any of those people are. Untag, untag, untag. (laughs) Oh my God. I didn't hear about this. This is crazy. So she called me out, but I did not acknowledge. And I think I could tell her, I think we could have a conversation about it, but I just, I just didn't want to go there. It's just unnecessary for them to know. I don't think they need to know. And so that's it. Do you think that she has suspicions after that? Um, yeah, because she knows that we go to hedonism. I've told her we go to a nude resort, but she just doesn't know. She just thinks it's a nude resort. And it's been a long time since we've talked about it. So she kind of has some kind of inclination that something. And if she looked it up immediately, she'd know, right? Or is it only marketed as a nude resort? It's only marketed as a nude resort. Wow. It's a clothing optional. So I don't think she'd figure it out, but I just didn't want to acknowledge it. So for me, I just don't think it's necessary to tell them. I don't want them to know. I think if they, my parents did find out, it would be really devastating for them to understand and grasp. So it's a challenging situation that I just don't want to cross those boundaries. Now you, on the other hand, are the opposite. Your mother knows. My mother knows. I'd like to have her on here sometime. I wonder if she would do it. Uh, (laughs) I'd love it. But yeah, I mean, and how did I tell her? I basically just said, hey, you know, I'm seeing this guy. So we have an open relationship. We're kind of exploring seeing other people while we see each other. And that was it. And I asked her, like, do you have any questions for me? And she's like, I'll I'll ask you if anything comes up. And that was kind of it because we have that kind of relationship, which is really nice. Beautiful that you could be so honest and open. I'm like a little envious and a little jealous of that type of relationship, but that makes me one day when I have kids, be a better mother so that I could create a space like that, like that you have with your mother. So very admirable. Yeah. (laughs) Love you, mommy. (laughs) Although I am not going to send this episode to her. We've talked way too much about like fucking and stuff. So this is not one of the ones that she's going to listen to. A curious friend asked, if you're trying to get into girl on girl, how do you get comfortable kissing, going down on a girl, trying something more? I'll say this from personal experience, experimenting, finding someone you're comfortable with. And yeah, because I know, you know, you've been by, so you probably were comfortable. I don't want to speak for you, but you were comfortable with it from the beginning. (laughs) Still, no. So I've been by, but there's always that I've never, I have a pussy, but I've never played with another one. So there's still a little bit of insecurity that of course still shows up where you're like, I want to be good at this. But, you know, just because I'm a girl doesn't mean I'm going to be amazing Mm. at at licking pussy or fingering. So it really just, like you said, comes down to finding someone you're comfortable with and then don't get in your head. And this is something I had to teach myself. Just ask the question, do you like it this way? Do you like it deeper? Do you like when my fingers go this way? Do you like one finger or two? Mm -hmm. It's more about Finding a way to have the discussion during the play, but keeping it like sexy, Mm. you know, kind of a thing. Yep. I I found that a lot of the women that I play with, it is 
very communicative. Now that I'm thinking of like women who have also gone down on me, like I haven't been put off by them asking those questions. I think it's really hot. Like we're both kind of just it it underlines the whole playing part of it. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like you're going back to grade school and you're just like touching things for the first time and what does this feel like and all of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of curiosity and playfulness. Yeah. So it's about that mindset and also kind of like a fuck it mindset. Like, uh, you know what? I've never done this before. Let's let's give it a go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like and like asking questions, can I lick your pussy? I don't just go down on somebody if it's the first time I'm connecting with them. I always ask, mm-hmm. can I suck your dick? Can I lick your pussy? So it's just even getting that permission makes it a lot easier to to explore. And I will say if people if someone is asking this question, um, it might take a little bit of time to find the right woman that has the right kind of energy and dynamic for you. Because if you, I'm I'm speaking from my own perspective, right? I've always been bi curious. I've always found women interesting and sexy, um, and I love making out with women. But I've been too scared or haven't felt the strong urge to go down on them until Mm. I met you in Mexico. (laughs) I was like, oh, she's someone that I could go further with, you know, because you have, and I talked to you and Holly about this, you know, it's like, yeah, you have that, um, you can have a more dominant or masculine energy that's needed to balance out when, there is, you know, less, um, less knowledge, let's say in, in the room. Lack of experience may lead to insecurities around it. So you wait to be led by somebody else and that kind of makes things a little bit more comfortable. So you have to wait to find the right person to do that with. There's this one question that I really had me really thinking. And it was, Uh, Someone asked us, will you ever be totally sexually satisfied? It would seem like each experience is heightened by the next. And uh, such a good question that at first I was like, I am sexually satisfied. Like I feel great. I'm living the life that I want to live and I'm having multiple partners the way that I desire. And my partner's happy. Like I am sexually satisfied. But then I'm like, no, wait a minute. Not usually. And I had to really think about the word satisfaction. And I really went to it. And for me, it's about, yes, being content, being pleased. But I think satisfaction is a temporary feeling. I think that as humans, we always desire that next dopamine hit. Ooh, like, and I liken this to food. So say you had the best pizza of your life and you were so satisfied with that pizza. Are you never going to eat pizza again? No, you're going to look for that next hit. You want that next, yeah, let me try that again. Let me find the next one. And that's what drives our desires and our curiosity and our creativity. And so I don't think it's ever physically possible to be satisfied with anything in life because I think that if we were just content, we would never try harder. We would never explore. We would never question. And that means that we're not growing. So for me, I would say that there may be situations where I'm sexually satisfied, but I think overall, um, I think it's healthy to have a curiosity and desire for more and to continually try. Yes. My job. Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. My answer was yes and no. So 
I I am sexually satisfied. I have great exploratory orgasms. I have checked things off of my fuck it list. But what this person put in their question is it would seem like each experience is heightened by the next. Like, yeah, it gives me the opportunity to see what else is out there. And wanting to achieve something else on my fuck it list does not mean that I'm not satisfied by what I have now. Exactly. Yeah. That's a point I was going to make too, is that just because I had an orgy with eight people doesn't mean I always have to have an orgy with eight people in order to get off or get excited or turned on. Mm -hmm. I still value my one-on-one connections with my husband and how intimate and sexy that is versus a threesome. Like they're all different. And I think it's situational. What am I in the mood for today? But they all have equal importance to me. And to that point, I think that what satisfies me personally is having the variety. So Mm -hmm. variety satisfies me. So Mm -hmm. I am satisfied in that I have all these options. And I want to add to this and say we are culturally – forced to believe that when you get married, that that person is supposed to be the one thing for you. They're going to be your all, your everything, and they're going to satisfy you to a hundred percent. And I just don't think that's a realistic expectation of our partner. So again, this is where I, like you said, I like the variety. I like what different people bring out in me and how I learn about myself each time I'm with a new sexual connection. So um, yes, variety is the spice of life. Mm-hmm. And piggybacking. What happens when you get older or want to settle down? Will you be happy with one person? What's your answer? I don't think I will ever be with one person. I mean, I guess as a primary partner, yeah, I'm going to, I think right now I can say that I'm going to have one primary person, but who's to say what's going to happen in five or six years? Maybe we'll end up being polyamorous. I have no idea because like I said, what I'm into now is different than what I was when I first got into this eight years ago or five years ago, or even last year. So while I can make assumptions of what I think is going to happen, I don't know. But what I can say right now is I am happy with one primary partner. And I don't think I will ever go back to just a monogamous life. Do you think there could be periods where you only focus on M? Like when you have kids, can you see yourself prioritizing fucking other people? I would like to. I mean, right now I can say yes, but of course when I'm in this situation, it might be different. But I think that that would be more of an issue of time more than anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, as opposed to the desire to want to do it. More of this logistics of handling children and finding a sitter and and being able to get away for something like that would be more of the factor. Yeah. What about you? You think you'd be happy with one person? No. I believe that this is the relationship style for me. And I think that the idea of getting older or settling down – it's kind of covered in the divorce episode. So settling, I don't like that word. I don't think it's for me. Um, But when I think of these concepts, I think it's something that I and the people that I have encountered in this lifestyle avoid or are kind of afraid of, let's say. Mm. I want new relationship energy and 
butterflies and discovery for the rest of my life. That's why I found this and that's why it is so fulfilling and satisfying for me. So I want to, it also helps me capitalize on it in the relationship that I have, the primary relationship that I have, right? So going out and discovering helps me have a more rich uh, relationship with my primary partner. Mm -hmm. And so I want that forever. I have not found the secret sauce to continue that kind of energy in a monogamous relationship. I'd love to talk to monogamous people who have been able to do it and kind of pick their brains. Like, how do you maintain a new relationship energy and butterflies after 20 years or whatever? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah. And I saw this one interview. It was very quick. I think it was Jessica. Is it Jessica Beale who's married to Justin Timberlake? Mm-hmm. Who's okay? So she made a comment and said that you have to date for the rest of your life. That's just how it has to be. That's what kind of keeps in that new relationship energy is you're still surprising them with gifts or flowers or a surprise date or you're doing new activities together. And so I really, I really liked that statement. And it just made me love Justin Timberlake even more. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so one final comment would be one of the listeners or vanilla friends that wrote in said that, you know, she's she's the vanilla friend that said she describes herself as a serial monogamist, but also a flirt with a high sex drive and little inhibition. I freaking love that mm-hmm. whole entire sentence. But she says that she's the one who's open-minded and she likens the polyamorous slash ethical non-monogamy lifestyle to religion and how it really provokes her ideas and gets her thinking about new ways about how we are in society. And she said, I don't see an intelligent objection to ethical non-monogamy. And she really brought in the fact that like capitalism, Democrats, Republicans, um, even monogamy are largely political in origin. And she even goes to bring up that, you know, even in our history, there was a lot of polygamy and things that the Greeks did. And even in the Quran, there's so many different scenarios in our our history where this was commonplace. And when we read about that stuff, we don't even bat an eye around it. But today, when it comes up, you know, there's an issue. Um, Even when we talk about shows like Big Love and Sister Wives, that there's almost like a sexist aspect that when men do it, it's okay. And when women do it, the context changes and the situation changes. Mm. But she brought up a lot of good points that history has served us, that it's not an issue, that it also depends on the context of your cultural upbringing. Mm -hmm. So if, if you were, like you said, that child being brought up in a polygamous relationship for that child, it's normal, Mm -hmm. right? That's how they were brought up. So there's so many different ways to look at this, but I loved her points of um, just saying that it's not really that big of a deal. We need to let it go. And Maybe to end on this, she also said, an unexamined life is not worth living. And if everything you accept and do is rote or built on preconceptions society has made you think are your own, then do you really have free will? So she has been in a long relationship, has a bunch of kids, and she, you know, still questions everything and and is just a very um, inquisitive person. And so I think yeah. that we should all just, you know, question what we're doing and why we're doing it. Is it society or not? Is it what we or what you truly want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mic drop. 
Thank you, friend. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, please email us. I want to hear from you. Uh, girlsgonedeep at gmail.com. Our Instagram is girlsgonedeeppodcast. And a special thanks to our sponsors, Horrible Life. It's the card game of Have You Ever, All Things Sex and Kink. So get 10% off your deck with code GONDEEP. I'm L And I'm V. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Yay. Yay.